G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Our special guest, Professor Peter Riddell, who serves as Vice Principal at the Melbourne School of Theology and professional, uh, Professorial uh, Research Associate at the Department of History at the School of Oriental and African Studies, the University of London. Let's talk through some of the issues that are going on in the UK at this present time. Uh, Peter Riddell, have we got you with us? Uh, yes, I'm here. <laughs> Good. Uh, Peter, uh, obviously grief is uh, where people are at. Uh, there are a lot of messages of of embrace that are going on from political leaders around the world. Uh, how did you feel when there was news of another terror attack this time in London, in Manchester? Well, look, I had a, I had a, a, a real... Um concoction of feelings, Neil. I'm a British citizen, so I felt it very uh, keenly from that perspective. I um, have watched the uh, Islamic scene and the problem of terrorism in Britain very closely over the years. I was in living in London when the last major, um, the big one happened, a uh, terrorist attack happened in July of 2005. Um, so, yes, uh, very sad and, and, and appalled, like, like everybody. And the investigation will be continuing. And, of course, concerns that there may be a network. Oftentimes uh, you have lone wolf attacks and networks uh, that are working in these sorts of attacks. Uh, it might appear that there is a network uh, in, uh, in process here because of the sophistication of the, of the bomb that was used. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on networks and lone wolf attacks and uh, what you think this one might be? Yes. Well, we saw a lone wolf attack in the case of the Lint Cafe um, siege in Sydney a couple of years ago, of course. Um, in the case of Britain, the history is more of networks at work. Um, British radical groups have been very active um, in the United Kingdom for decades now. Um, and uh, the, 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 both the attacks that have taken place and those many, many, many more attacks that have been foiled have characteristically been um, planned and carried out by networks of individuals. So I'm expecting that this will prove to be an individual who blew himself up, but with support in the planning and the implementation from others. Peter, your understanding of the status of Islam in the UK uh, much more established than what we see here in Australia, and uh, even uh, some, as I understand it, uh, enclaves of uh, people who are uh, followers of Islam in, in certain communities. Uh, it's a different sort of a picture to what most of us experience here in Australia. Yes, well, the, look, the Australian Muslim community is smaller in proportion. Uh, it's more diverse uh, as well. In Britain, 75% uh, of the British Muslim community comes from South Asia, meaning Pakistan, India, Bangladesh. So in, to that extent, it's more, more co cohesive and coherent. Um, and it's, it's much longer established. Uh, the British Muslim community grew very rapidly from the 1970s and has grown especially rapidly over the last 10 to 15 years. In fact, it's doubled in size since the beginning of this uh, the 21st century. So um, uh, the British Muslim community is larger, more established, and there are 
there are more potent networks of radicals among that community than we find in Australia, though we certainly have our problems in Australia as well. Peter, one of the most distressing things about this later latest attack is that it was at a a pop concert where a lot of children were in attendance. I wonder whether uh, there is any sort of message uh, in the idea of targeting children. Uh, what is your understanding of of the way that uh, terror like this might work? And is there any significance to the idea that there were children who may have been the target? Yes, look, um, I, I think we have to get into the mindset of these radical types of Muslims who, who plan and carry out these attacks. They they loathe the West. Um, they loathe uh, who we are. They, they, they're brought up on a, on, a, on a regime and on a diet of, of us and them. They see themselves as um, blessed and they, 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 they feel a call to jihad. So, so their, de- their design and their aim is to cause the maximum offence and horror among those, the groups that they see as their opponents, namely, namely Western societies. So targeting children um, fits in very much with that pattern. They know the shock and the horror that that will cause, and uh, I think that was deliberate. And, you know, well, I could see them targeting aged, aged care homes, for example. Um, they, these are groups which have no... They're not driven by a sense of ethical values as to what's right and wrong, but it's defined in terms of advancing their own particular take on their faith. Okay, let's talk ethical values for a few moments because as Christians, uh, we appreciate the idea of being created in the image and likeness of God, uh, that we have value because of that. Uh, What's your understanding of the take when it comes to the value of human life, when it comes to uh, the religion of Islam? Well, um, there are a number of layers here. There are verses in the Quran which talk about the value of, of, of human life. But um, there, are, there are other references as well, both within the Quran and within associated literature, which, um, which prioritise the, the sense of um, community, of the Muslim community, that, that is Muslims supporting Muslims, Muslims defending Muslims, Muslims advancing the cause of Muslims. So there is a, there's a lot of literary material that these radicals use to shape their minds towards a classic us and them kind of situation rather than loving one's fellow man. It's, a, it's, it's, a, it's an opposite kind of ideology. And when you say there's a loathing of the West, it's uh, the West being seen as the infidel, the unbeliever, uh, and perhaps even as uh, the Christian. And, of course, we know those foundations for Western culture uh, come very strongly to those Christian foundations. So uh, when you say there's a loathing of the West, uh, this idea of Muslim for Muslim, uh, it means that those who are not Muslim don't have the same value as someone who is a Muslim. Is that what you're saying? Well, that's right. The, the, exactly that kind of teaching exists within the texts of, of Islam. Now, not every Muslim takes them and uses that to shape their, their particular perspective on the world, but these radical Muslims do. Um, they they use their texts to um, convince themselves that they are involved in what they see as God's fight against the infidel. And we're seeing evidence of this in these kinds of terror attacks and these terrorist attacks going back to the tube bombings of 2005 and to 9-11. Now, we're familiar with the terminology, a war on terror. 
when we hear of an attack like this, uh, should we, do you think, understand uh, motivations that say uh, this is an act of war that's being committed by someone who is doing the, uh, the you know, the whole thing? Uh, you mentioned uh, jihad, uh, which sometimes people talk about as a struggle uh, and that they try to tend to separate that uh, from the idea of an act of aggression uh, by way of warfare. But, but when you've got a, a suicide bomber, this is... Uh, in a sense, I imagine, uh, an act of war. Well, it certainly is. And, and jihad, um, as understood by these terrorists, is, is, a, is a holy struggle. It's a holy war. They're fighting a holy war. And they believe that in committing suicide, um, in blowing themselves up, they believe that they're gaining a, a fast-track ticket to, to, to paradise. Now, some other Muslims will dispute that, of course, but that's what these radicals think about. Um, so they see themselves as conducting an act of war, and they need to be treated as such. We need to, we need to make no bones about seeing seeing who the enemy are here. Radical, these, this kind of radical Islamic ideology is is hostile. It is uh, attacking. It is uh, violent, and it needs to be combated. And um, to to blame Western societies. Um, as some, especially some, some, some parts of the left do, is, is missing the point. And Islamic State has claimed responsibility for the bombing. Uh, do you think there are direct connections between Islamic State when they claim that they are the ones who are responsible or whether this radicalisation happens uh, in isolated pockets where people have not necessarily been connected with Islamic State? Although, as I understand it, uh, some news reports suggest that the bomber himself had actually gone to uh, to Syria and uh, and worked with Islamic State in this case, but but the general idea of Islamic State claiming the responsibility for this act. Yes, well, look, both both things are going on. More needs to be found out about the the overseas trip that that uh, this bomber supposedly did. But um, look. In the in the, the the multiple terrorist strikes that are becoming the new normal in the West, sadly, you find some cases of people who are inspired by Islamic State but don't have direct connection with them, and others who are directly equipped and and, and furnished and supported by Islamic State. Uh, it remains to be seen in this case, um, with the slow collapse of Islamic State in Syria and Iraq, more and more jihadis will be coming back to Western societies and it'll be interesting, to, well interesting and horrifying to see whether this young man who just blew himself up was actually um, a, a soldier for Islamic State in a direct sense. As we understand it from the reports, this man was born in the UK and uh, of Libyan descent but when we talk about radicalism uh, and the idea of being radicalised in another country and then coming back, as you've uh, just alluded to and as we often hear it being talked about, uh, not everyone who is a, a terror bomber or an attacker uh, is necessarily connected with uh, you know, special training. What do you understand when you think about the issue of radicalisation? Well, radicalisation um, is happening in all kinds of ways. Uh, in some cases, some of some young men and indeed women have travelled to Syria and Iraq and Afghanistan and received direct training. Um, in in other cases, in this age of the internet, uh, radicalisation is taking place online uh, by young people connecting with uh, dubious Facebook sites and uh, starting up a conversation with uh, a radical on the other end of a uh, Facebook line in another country. Um, 
and therefore they're not having physical training, but they're they're having brainwashing mind mind training is taking place. So, in the in the digital age, um, the the process of radicalisation is taking many forms, and security agencies are watching the different manifestations and different mechanisms going on. But it's very hard to track on the internet. Mm. Well, there'll be no doubt lots more to talk about when it comes to the unfolding issue that's happening there in Manchester in the UK. Before I let you go, though, Peter Adele, uh, we together have been following along some of the issues that have been happening just to our north in Indonesia. And the Jakarta governor, uh, known as Ahok, uh, who was imprisoned for two years uh, because uh, of uh, an issue of of saying that it was, uh, you know, it was a mistake uh, that Muslims should think that they could vote for someone who was a non-Muslim, like a Christian, to be their leader. Uh, just a, a new development that's happened there, and I'm interested in your thoughts and your comments because uh, this particular leader, a Christian man, and uh, solidly Christian, he's decided not to appeal the two-year sentence that was handed down to him. And in fact, he's gone the extra mile in some sense in saying he's forgiving those who are accusing him. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on the, the latest developments with Ahok? Yes, well, this is another tragic case of a different kind, isn't it? Um, I think uh, the fact that um, Governor, or now former Governor Ahok, has withdrawn his appeal against his two-year conviction. Um, it's a comment on the on the quality of the man and, and on the quality of him as, as a Christian as well. Um, the reports indicate that he's spending a lot of time in his prison cell um, by doing Bible study and praying. Um, he is well aware that should he appeal, and if he were to appeal and the appeal be successful, that would produce... Um, possibly mass protests by radical Islamic groups on the streets in Indonesia. So I think his primary consideration here is not himself, but others, namely the stability of the nation and the safety of his fellow citizens. So God bless him. I think he's, a, he's showing what a great man he is and what a great Christian he is, and he deserves our prayers. Uh, it's certainly a mark of his character, isn't it, uh, as a Christian leader, and uh, no doubt... Uh, there'll be things to talk about like that uh, into the coming times as well too, Peter, as we monitor along what happens uh, with AHOC in Indonesia. Uh, Pro- Professor Peter Riddell, who serves as Vice Principal Academic at the Melbourne School of Theology and as Professorial Research Associate in the Department of History at the School of Oriental and African Studies in the University of London. Uh, he's published widely on the study of Islam and Christian-Muslim relations. And uh, Peter Riddell, thank you so much for taking some time to share your insights today with us here on 2020. Thank you, Neil. It's a pleasure. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.